Now the show about faith, miracles, and the supernatural, Praying Medic Live. Our host is a paramedic and a former atheist who now sees miracles nearly every day, and he teaches others how to live a supernatural life. Here he is, Praying Medic. Hi there. This is Praying Medic Live, and I am your host, Praying Medic. I'm here every Thursday night at 8 p.m. on Independent Talk 1100 KFNX. My goal with this show is to teach average believers how to live a supernatural life. My guest tonight is my good friend, Jesse Berkey, who is joining us from his home somewhere near Bradenton, Florida. Jesse is a full-time firefighter paramedic, a blogger, a husband, a father, an author, and because he has so much free time on his hands, he's one of the cast members of a new TV show called Project Afterlife. Jesse, welcome to the show. How are you doing, bud? Oh, I'm doing good, Dave. This is great, man. I love your theme music. I just kind of want to dance every time I that that is some awesome that. dance I'm music. Dancing in my room right now to your theme music. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> I I am dancing in my chair uh, during the breaks when we're listening to the music. Uh, How can you sit still? How can you just stay still? You can't. That? Denise actually picked out that music, so you know she's got good taste. <laughs> Mad props. Let me tell you, <laughs> she's awesome. Hey, how are Kara and the kids doing? Oh, they're doing really good. They're sleeping right now. They had to go to bed. You know, it's late night radio here. This That's is good. late night radio. You got a cup of coffee, bro? Yeah. What's that? You got a cup of coffee? I did. I did get a cup of coffee. Right I'm on. All fired up. I'm all jazzed up. So all right. I'm so excited. so Austin Messer, uh, Alice Briggs, Jenny Wilcox. I know you guys are listening. Get your coffee because you're going to like this show. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Jesse, uh, I have been waiting for a long, long time to get you on the show. Uh, you and yeah. I vo- vox each other almost every day, and uh-huh. uh, it's it's awesome. I love, I love what God's doing in your life, and I love uh, the revelation He's given you, and I love the things, the transformation He's done in your life over the last decade or so. Mm-hmm. Wanted to start off with a little bit of discussion about the big secret we were keeping all summer long about your TV show, Project Afterlife. Yeah. So, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, man, it's been it's been quite the inter- interesting journey, and it all kind of just happened from the vision that Johnny Clark had for the documentary called Dead Razor, and so that premiered in 2014, and in the I'm sorry, 2013, and in the summer of 2014, a production company called Screaming Flea out of Seattle, they loved the documentary, they loved the the people in it, they loved the story, they loved the vision. And so they wanted to turn it into a reality show. And I remember when that kind of came across, Karen and I just kind of looked at each other and said, oh, is this really something that we want to be a part of? Because, you know, we were, we were nervous and, and we didn't know what to expect and we didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. But we just spent a lot of time just uh, talking to the Lord, just spending a lot of time in prayer and just trying to discern uh, the best way to move forward. And we just felt like God was saying, go ahead and walk through this door that's open. And so... We said yes, and in March of 2015, March of this year, uh, we began production for a new series called Project Afterlife. And the series is based on three criteria for people. They had to have been clinically dead, they had to have an other side experience, and they had to have somebody praying for them to come back to life. And so, man, it's been so exciting getting to uncover the details of these different cases and and, I mean, some details have blown my mind. It's blown other people's minds, but it's just all so good. And, and I've just been loving every part of it. It's, it's been a new discovery every time I go out. So, Yeah, I love the show, too. I've been a big follower of near-death experiences and resurrection testimonies. Um, on my blog, I've probably posted well over 30 or 35 resurrection testimonies over the years. 
because I just find the story so fascinating and so compelling. And, you know, it does blow your mind because, you know, you and I were talking earlier today. If you want to investigate the afterlife and afterlife experiences, uh, honestly and objectively, you kind of have to put some of your preconceptions on hold because what you're going to find out is going to blow your preconceptions out of the water. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's happened to me. You know, going to talking to these people, I grew up in a, in a traditional belief of what is supposed to happen when we die and we go to heaven and all that. And, and it's just, you know, you know, every single case that we're uncovering, the details are, they may be a little dark in the beginning and then they change to, I mean, Jesus comes in and pours in his light. Or they may just be uh, nothing but joy in the beginning as we enter into the presence of Christ. But different details that we've uncovered have stretched my own understanding. And I don't know that I expected to be impacted or changed this much by being a part of this show. I mean, there's just things in there that have stretched my heart, stretched my faith, stretched my um, understanding, and that is really uncomfortable for, for people. And it's really uncomfortable for me, too. I mean, we have to wrestle with this stuff, and I've had to wrestle with some things that, that people have said they've experienced. And I've just kind of had to say, well, I'm not going to pick and choose what parts of their experience I'm going to believe and then call them liars on the other part. i got to i got to take in the whole experience and wrestle with it and just take it to God and say, you know, what do you, what do you want me to learn through this, and what do you want to show me through this? It's just been really fascinating. Yeah, I think one of the things that a lot of people find uncomfortable about talking about afterlife experiences is, like you said, we tend to have this neat, tidy theology and eschatology and all of our little ducks in a row, and we think we understand how it all works. And, you know, if you're a believer and you could die, you go right to heaven and nothing in between. But the right. problem is, I mean, I've interviewed well over, you know, probably 75, maybe 100 people over the years in the ambulance in, in my uh, job who have had cardiac arrest and have had mm-hmm. afterlife experiences. And the stories that I hear, I'm just like, wow, that is crazy. The things that people experience and see and do and the places they go. And, you know, the interesting thing is a lot of people do not go right to heaven immediately when they die. In fact, um, of the first six uh, stories you guys did, four of them were not believers. Uh, right. And so, you know, they didn't go right to heaven immediately. They had, had some other stuff going on. One of the interesting things I find a lot is when people go into cardiac arrest, uh, they either remain in the room relatively, um, you know, for about a minute or two, and then they start kind of wandering around the earth plane. They start going to different places, visiting people and going to hospitals. And they just start kind of wandering around. And sometimes they go down into the underworld. Sometimes they go into heaven after a little while. But it's really, to me, it's really fascinating how... Yeah, well, we... Go ahead. We had, uh, there were, we had two cases in particular. In the, in the second episode, we had Rick Madison who had his out-of-body experience, and he started walking through the hospital, and he ended yeah. up in the chapel and saw his mother praying. And then he, like you were talking about people coming out of their bodies and walking around, he experienced that. And then we had Arthur Veal in the third episode went to what we can only assume is a Sheol at this point. Right. And so, I mean, you have these different experiences, and, and you, we're just, like I said, we're left to wrestle with, with some of that and just to try to wrap our minds around it, you know? Yeah, I I liked the first episode and the third episode, but the second episode really hooked me. Denise was crying throughout the entire show, most of it. And I know part of the reason why she was crying was she was really envisioning what would happen to me if I ever went into cardiac arrest and I died 
would she have the faith to pray to bring me back from death? And she was wrestling with a lot of these issues, and we talked about it afterwards. It really impacted her in a big way. It is on Destination America. Um, yep. If you look on your cable channel uh, guide, it'll sh- you know you can find out what uh, channel it's on in your area. Your show airs Sunday nights at nine. Sunday nights at ten nine central. Ten o'clock Eastern, nine central. Correct. Eight yep. Mountain, seven Pacific. And then they they redo it in Pacific at ten, I believe. And if you cannot find it on your cable local cable channel, you can download the episodes on iTunes, on Google. And on Amazon. Correct. Right on. Cool. That's good information. <laughs> hey, Jesse, we're going to go take a break. Be back in a few minutes. Uh, if you've just tuned in, I'm Praying Medic. This is Praying Medic Live. When we come back, Jesse is going to tell us about his newest book. You're listening to Praying Medic Live on Independent Talk 1100 KFNX. Welcome back to Praying Medic Live. I'm your host, Praying Medic, and we are live with my friend Jesse Berkey. If you just joined us, we're talking about his new TV show, Project Afterlife, a show that investigates people who have been raised from the dead. Now, Jesse, you've also written several books, and you have a new one coming out in a couple of days. Can you tell us a little bit about your uh, next book? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so I, the first two books I wrote were nonfiction. So we, we published Marriage, What's the Point? in 2010. Uh, Life Resurrected came in 2012, and that actually has a handful of uh, resurrection testimonies in it that um, I, w- I had the, the chance to see and, and play a role in. And then, <laughs> and then I was spending some time with the Lord one morning, and I was just kind of sitting in my chair, just like, hey, God, what's going on? And, and he just began to, to d- download into my heart and just began to explain to me that the, the problem for the vast majority of people uh, regarding a relationship with him and just inner healing and freedom isn't, that, isn't our ability to, to love him. You know, I, I feel like he was saying that he believes that we love him as much as we can. It's not like we're saying, God, we love you, and he's saying, no, you're a liar. The issue is in our ability to truly believe that he loves us back. Our, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the ability for us to rest in his love and to truly see ourselves the way that he sees us. And so I just kind of let that simmer for a while. It seemed like it was such, so much of a bigger thing than, than a, a blog post or, or uh, something like that. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to write another nonfiction book? And he said, no. I said, well, what do you want me to do? And he said, I want you to tell that through a story. And uh, I said, God, I don't know how to write fiction. <laughs> and he said... Is that that's okay? We'll walk through it, and I'll I'll teach you how. So, three years later, <laughs> a very long. I mean, the journey to to writing this book has been really uh, eye opening, and it's been really amazing. I've had a great time doing it. I've I've found that I love telling stories, which is something I wasn't sure if I could do or not. And so, and learning all the technical skill of writing it, but it's called Finding Home, and in it we have John, who is really kind of a pillar in in his town and experiences uh, just a, a horrific tragedy in his life. And the circumstances of that just, just make him turn all of the blame onto God. And so he walks away, he, he moves out of town, you know, takes his, leaves everything behind that he could be recognized by, and sets up a life that is really just in booze and, and women and gambling and just a real dark time in his life. And so he wants to stay that way, and he's staying that way until he meets a mystical stranger who begins to challenge him on that. 
and he can't really, he finds he can't really stay in that state anymore uh, because of the challenge that's being provided for him. And then on the other side, we have a young woman named uh, Alice, and she has just come off of the streets of a uh, life of prostitution and the sex trade, and she has found uh, a home, so to speak, in Redwood, New York. And so she found a family there, and so her journey is discovering even more of who she is in the Lord and coming free from, from a life that entangled her and the bondage that entangled her. And it's just beautiful how then these two stories uh, are just weaved together and just the, the redemption of God and the restoration of God. And, and I just had a, an awesome time writing it, and um, I think it's pretty powerful in the story and just the way that, that God moves in it. And so I'm, I'm really excited for it. I'm really, I'm, I'm happy about it. So. Well, you learned a lot about the writing process in doing this book. I mean, I, I was privy to the kind of the inside of it because you and I use the same editor. And so Lydia was talking to me about what's going on with you. And she's editing your book while she's editing one of my books. And we're talking and, <laughs> and we, you and I are boxing each other and stuff. And you were generous enough to let me have a beta copy of the book. So I read it before it uh, published. And um, I'll tell you, you said it perfectly. The way that these two lives are played out and the way that God redeems their past and uh, gives them a fresh perspective on life and him and his love and who they are. It's just really powerful. I just love that book. There's so many places where I was just weeping and crying. And then one minute, you know, I'm crying and, you know, two pages later, I'm laughing my butt off. It's just a really, (laughs) it's just a really good story. I mean, you are a really good uh, writer. And uh, for your first fiction book, I think... You did a really awesome job, and uh, I, I hope the the listeners get a chance to check it out. So that's going to be launching September first. Correct. Yes, and uh, <laughs> you are laughing every time. Every time at how often I use the word shrug. Right? What, <laughs> what, what, what did I use like a hundred and fifty <laughs> times in that book? Uh, let's see: the <laughs> eyebrows scrunching, the shoulders things. shrugging. Well, <laughs> and you know the thing is, like I said, you learned a lot in the process of writing this book, and yeah, yep, you know. Uh, we all learn in the process of writing. You, you learn uh, how to become a better writer and how to convey things. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I was – we had some discussions that were so good. You had me cracking up with those discussions. It was awesome. You know, it's funny, too, because I had a um, – I'm going to be writing some fiction books as well. But yeah. I'm going to write an ebook, and I have to get this thing off my plate because about four months ago, the Lord gave me this dream. He gave me an entire story in a dream, and I could read the text of the dream, um, or the, the text of the story. It was something like about a 5,000-word essay. It was just a story about the goodness of God, and it was the craziest dream because the Lord was just telling me this story, and I could read all the words, and when I woke up, I was like, how do I remember like a 5,000-word story, <laughs> which was just a spiritual image that I, that I saw. It was crazy. Um, wow. I, I don't actually remember the entire story, but I remember the concepts of the story. So yeah. um, I think what the Lord was telling me is he wants me to write a story that displays the goodness of God. And so that's an ebook that I'll probably be coming up with here in the next few months, along with all the other book projects I have going on. Yeah, um, that'll be awesome. I can't wait to, to get my hands on that. Well, Finding Home is coming out September 1st. You're already yeah. thinking about writing a series to go with this book. Yeah, you know, I actually, towards the end, I rearranged the ending so that it, it could leave it open to I, another I, book in the series. I noticed. That was very sneaky of you. 
<laughs> at the yeah. suggestion of a mutual friend. That's right, yeah. <laughs> I've actually got two more planned, so it's, it's the Lost and Found series, and there's going to be three. It's going to be a trilogy. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to reading all of those books. I'm sure you're going to have some more uh, really cool stuff for readers. So where can people find Finding Home when it comes out uh, in a couple of days? Yeah, so right now we're still in the process of taking pre-orders. We will do that until uh, September 1st, and that's going to be done at jesseberkey.com. There's a little products button at the top, and you can click that, and Finding Home will be there. Uh, and then on September 1st, it's going to be available on Amazon, Smashwords, pretty much anywhere that you could purchase a book, it, it'll be available there. Paperback and, so, and Kindle? Paperback and Kindle, yes. Okay, and, um, and e-books Nook. on iBook and Nook and Kobo will have it too? Correct. Yeah, all platforms. Mm-hmm. Right on. So that's September 1st. Yeah. Anything going on Facebook-wise? Any special events on uh, Facebook or any social media surrounding the launch? Uh, but I don't have any kind of premiere parties or anything going on around that time. Um, just relying on some help and getting the word out and people who believe in the story and people who believe in, in the concept and just helping me spread the word that way. Right on. So, yeah. Uh, yeah that's I much, think that's pretty much what I have planned. You're going to have to give me an excerpt from that book that I can post on my blog. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I do need to give you that. Yeah, so uh, I'll be posting uh, an excerpt probably after the book goes live and people can purchase it. Very cool. Uh, so yeah, so pick out a good uh, you know, chunk of the story. Well, maybe the one down by the lake where Alice yeah, is there I, and on the sidewalk and stuff. Was, yeah, I remember you saying something about Nita. Yeah, that scene. Yeah, or, or whatever, you know. Yeah. Now, you were talking about your other book, and we only have a couple minutes left in this segment, so this will okay. segue into the second one. But uh, your book, Life Resurrected, really kind of blew me away because <laughs> I was reading that book, and I get in the first chapter, and there are four people who get raised from the dead in the first chapter. And I'm like, <laughs> what in the world is this crazy guy doing? So, <laughs> man, I was like, I, I, when I started reading that book, I was like, okay, this is cool. We got to talk some more about this. So uh, when we come back from the break, I want to talk to you a little bit about Life Resurrected. Okay. I'd like to see if I can get you to share some testimonies. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Praying Medic Live, and I am your host, Praying Medic, with my friend Jesse Berkey. If you just joined us, uh, Jesse and I are talking about some of the books that he's written. Jesse, you've seen a few people brought back from death, like most paramedics. I know I've seen a few of them myself. But right. you've seen people raised from the dead without the use of electricity or drugs, uh, yes. just by the power of prayer. So, And you've told some of these stories in your book, uh, Life Resurrected. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about what it's like to pray over a dead body and watch it come back to life? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'll tell you, I'll share with the first testimony that kind of, kind of really kick-started Life Resurrected. Now, I wasn't looking for um, opportunities to pray for the dead to be raised. That was just about the furthest thing from my grid that I could have possibly imagined. And that's the crazy I... thing, too, because you were just hanging out, and all of a sudden God starts speaking to you. <laughs> yeah, I mean... All of a sudden, what I, I'll tell you what I did do was I said yes to the Lord, and without right. even really understanding what I was saying yes to. So, so you I didn't was, take any classes in how to raise the dead? <laughs> no, not, not a one. 
Uh, I was lying in bed at the fire station one night. This was at the end of 2008. And all of a sudden, I just, it had been a really impacting, impactful year for me. There were a lot of things that the Lord did in my heart during 2008, and it had brought me to a place to where I could actually hear Him uh, speak to me. And so I was lying there in my bed. It was probably about 11 o'clock at night, and the emergency tones went off, signaling we had a call, and it came in as just an ill person. And so me and my partner you know, climbed into the, the ambulance and took off. And, and um, before that, when I was lying in the bed, I heard the Lord say, you know, I want you to start taking me with you on your emergency calls. And I, I was just laying there, and I said, well, that's a novel idea. You know, like, <laughs> so why didn't I think of that before? You know, it's been, what, eight years I've been doing this, and I haven't done hey, that yet. Hey, wow. God, hey, God, you stay here at the fire station. I'm going to go on a call. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but, I mean, that's pretty much what I had said for eight years in doing this job. And so to, to consciously be aware of him coming with me was a complete, uh, total shift in my perspective. And so on the way to the call, I began to pray for the person. And I said, okay, Lord, we're going to do this. This is a good one. Just a, just a sick person, maybe a tummy ache. You know, we'll, we'll take care of this. And so, Lord, I just pray for this person I'm about, to, I'm about to meet, and I just ask you to heal them and just to speak to their heart. And then dispatch came back over the radio and said, hey, uh, it's, it's now a cardiac arrest. And Woo! I said, this isn't what I signed up for. <laughs> this is not what I signed up for. In the and deep the, end. Yeah, right in there. Yep. And so we're walking up to the, the door of the residence, and I'm saying, God, this is too big. I can't do this, Lord. And he said, you know what? I just want you to continue to pray. Just trust in what I can do and just continue to pray. Now, you're and, hearing God. You're hearing the voice of God through, like, yeah. thought impressions in, in your mind. Correct. Okay. Yeah, I'm not hearing it as, like, the, an external the audible, audible voice. voice. No. Right. I'm hearing it as a, as a quiet voice in my, in my heart, in my mind. Yeah. Right. And so... We walked back there to the back room, and I said, Lord, this is too much. And he said, just continue to pray, see what I can do. We found this gentleman lying there. His back was on the floor. His feet were up. He was cold and pale. And I reached down to feel a carotid pulse in his neck, and there was no pulse there. He was not breathing. And I'm telling my partner, I said, go ahead and get the monitor set up. It was just the two of us because we had help on the way, uh, but there was nobody there to help us out at all uh, at that point. And so I said, Lord, it's over. You know, he's dead. This is it. And uh, God said, no, no, just continue to pray and see what I can do. I said, well, what in the world do I have to, to lose at this point? You know, so I said, you know, I just bind the spirit of death, and I command life to come back into this man. And at that point, my partner had just finished putting the monitor on, switched it on, and I saw a perfect heartbeat come across that monitor. And I reached down again to his neck, and there was a pulse there. So, and I looked, <laughs> so I you had not... Partner, you had not started an IV. Not started an IV. Did you, were you guys even doing CPR at this point? No CPR. No CPR had been performed. No resuscitation really at all. Nothing at all. It, was, it all happened very quickly. There, yeah, nothing at all. Just, just uh, my, my little quiet mumbled prayers. All right. Quiet mumbled <laughs> prayers. My favorite quiet. kind when you're in the middle of a code. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My faith-inspired my faith move mountain little quiet mousy prayer. Yes. Right. And so one minute the guy's dead, and the next minute he's alive. Next minute he's alive. I reach down to feel a pulse. I'm looking at my partner. He's like, I've got a pulse. He's like, what? You have a pulse? No, you don't. Yes, I do have a pulse. And then the guy starts breathing on his own, and then he starts moaning. And then he's, and I'm just sitting there telling my partner, don't touch him. You know? <laughs> don't mess this up. I you raised somebody from the dead, and you're not going to kill him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, don't do 
anything. And so he, then the, the guy who, was, who had been dead, he starts to try to sit up and, oh, what happened? No, sir, lay down on the floor there. It's going to be okay, I guess. You know, now it is, maybe. And uh, he starts telling me that he doesn't need to go to the hospital. And I said, oh, no, you're going to the hospital. You were, you were just dead, and so we're going to take you to the hospital. But he was mostly and, dead. Yeah, he was mostly dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just mostly dead, yeah. Uh, so by the time we got him to the hospital, all his vital signs were normal, and I'm left there to consider what in the world just happened to me. You know, that wasn't, I mean, I wasn't supposed to go out and pray for somebody who was dead to come back to life and then see that happen. You know, no, <laughs> dude, because I've been praying for people in my ambulance for, I don't know, since 2008, 2009. And I have not yet seen anyone come back from death other than, you know, defibrillation and drugs and the usual resuscitation stuff. I haven't seen anybody come back from death uh, with just prayer. I've seen tons and tons of people, you know, frozen shoulders, neck pain, Mm -hmm. migraines, everything else. But you get thrown in the deep end and boom, you have to raise somebody from the dead like immediately, which is just (laughs) crazy to me. (laughs) You know, it's it's one thing to to read the Bible stories and say, oh, yeah, we believe that that Jesus can raise the dead. You know, he did it in the Bible with Lazarus and, and other examples throughout the biblical narrative. It's a whole other thing to be in that situation and to even be in a position to pray for somebody who is dead and then to see them come back to life. It's just kind of total mind blow. Yeah. And so, I mean, no. I was about to leave the hospital after that call. I didn't really know what to do. I was just kind of in a little little daze. Bewilderment. Like, really yeah, so, completely bewildered. So not long after that, you end up, there's a woman who's been drowned in a pool and her husband takes her out of the pool and she was un- under the water for unknown length of time. Yeah. Yeah. Th- and it was shortly after that. So we run on a couple of woman. weeks, I think something. Yeah. A couple of weeks. It wasn't even in our, our first due area. So we had an extended, um, and route time arrival time. And so we get there, she's out of the pool and there's no pulse. And we hook the monitor up and there's just flat line across the monitor and so we're, we're doing we're doing our protocol stuff, and and so I'm I'm praying again. <laughs> so well, you know, it works the other time. So let's let's just do this again. Let's pull another one out of the pocket here. You know, it's so, all right, Lord, we're going to do this. So I just I pray for life to come back. I I pray against the spirit of death and command it to leave. And we get a pulse back. I mean, a pulse comes back on this on this woman who is submerged for an unknown length of time. Could have been an hour or so. And yeah, I mean, it was com- just completely amazing and so i started to see that there were and i started that that whole year uh i saw i believe nine like that and wait a minute all wait a minute nine people who had, were pulseless who came back yeah and they were all in um asystole which is not even shockable right exactly i mean asystole is pretty much your friend is all dead. He's not mostly dead. He's all dead. That's right. That's confirmation of death. Asystole is confirmation of death. Right. <laughs> wow. That, yeah. that just blows me away. Yeah, it was, it was just nuts. And then the Lord began to just move in different ways. Like there was, I remember one morning where I was coming to work and I said, Lord, I was feeling a little bit insecure you know, in my ability to pray for people to be healed of different things. We had just had somebody come into our small group meeting the night before and talk about healing. And I said, Lord, I'm feeling a little insecure. I want to pray for somebody today, but can you make sure that that the uh, person that I get to pray for is already a believer? You know, it's like that'll make it that'll, that'll make it a little bit easier because we can connect on that. You know, whatever. And so we get we respond to this uh, report of an injured person, 
and we walk through the door. There's this uh, middle-aged woman there hopping around on one foot, and I look down at her toe, and her toe is severely angulated. And, there, I mean, this it's broken. Um, it is twisted. It is nasty-looking. And I said, well, what happened? And she said, she said, well, I was dancing around, you know, to worship, praise and worship music this morning, and I, and I kicked the door jam, and I'm pretty sure I hurt my toe really bad. <laughs> I said, oh, you were dancing around to praise and worship music, huh? She's like, yeah. I said, well, Lord, thank you, Lord. And so we, we got back into the, the rescue, and I started talking to her and just, uh, you know, formed this uh, rapport, and she told me how she's just a new believer, and she's full of passion, full of the Spirit of God, and so excited to have somebody there that would pray for her. So, you know, I just laid my hands on that toe, prayed for it, didn't see any immediate response, but got to check back about an hour later at the hospital. Toe was fine. No, no fracture, no nothing. Love that. She was being, she was being discharged. That's and awesome. So, What's really interesting, Jesse, is uh, you and I do a lot of the same things. I mean, mm-hmm. we're both praying for people on the job. Uh, I, I read a lot of your stories on your website, and it seems to me like God uses you more in the prophetic, more so than he mm-hmm. does in healing, um, because yeah. you're, you seem to be always writing stories where God is giving you like encouraging words for people. And for me, it's a lot of, oh, wow, that you got back pain. Hey, let's get that healed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, the prophetic is really where, you know, I grew up. The first gift that I that I asked to receive was the gift of the prophetic. I just felt something stir in response to that. And so it's it's kind of where my my comfort zone is and and to be able to pray for somebody to be healed or raised from the dead is is more of a step outside of my comfort zone as far as the spiritual gifts go. I mean, those are things like the prophetic um, is the easy, comes to me the easiest, but praying for somebody to be healed or praying for somebody to be raised from the dead is something that it takes more of an effort for me to do. Um, does that make sense at all? I mean, it's just is, not the... That is so interesting, too, because, you know, we all have our different comfort zone. I mean, if you are, you know, a believer and you understand the gifts of the Spirit, I think everybody has a particular gift that they feel really comfortable with. Like, for me, it's healing. You know, God has spoken to me more about healing and is demonstrate healing through me more than anything else. For me, prophecy is a stretch. Um, I, I don't very often give people prophetic words. Um, I would get like people asking me on social media, hey, can you give me a word? And I'm like, um, you probably got the wrong guy. You want to go talk to Jesse or somebody else? <laughs> You're super. <laughs> but, what, I, but I have just tons of faith for healing. You know, like yeah. I will just go after anything that has to do with healing. And, and I mean, I will give prophetic words and I've given people some, you know, some messages from God. But it is interesting in that everybody seems to have a little different comfort zone with regard to spiritual gifts. Yeah, you know, it just seems like when when the Lord leads me in front of somebody, uh, He just, He he reveals their their heart. I get to to catch a glimpse of their heart, and maybe not even the the heart that they are wearing on the outside, but, but what's deeper on the inside. There was a gentleman that we transported. We ended up putting him out in triage. And he was suffering from a few debilitating illnesses. And just the heaviness that I saw on his shoulders, just that the Lord allowed me to see on his shoulders, that was pushing him down. It was almost as if he, it was even impossible for him to sit up straight. And so I just waited till my partner had left and uh, was putting the stretcher back together, and the nurse, the triage nurse had gone on to do her thing. And I just sat next to him, and, and uh, I just asked him if he would be okay if I prayed for him. And he just looked at me with hope, and he said, yes, absolutely. And... And I just, 
asked the Holy Spirit to begin to speak to me, and, and I saw these, these banners come across his forehead. And on each one of the banners, was, were, they were written things like worthless and unlovable and failure and all of these different horrible accusations that had been brought against him his entire life, the things that the enemy had written on the, the tablets of his heart that had become his identity. And the Lord just showed me, he said, I want you to remove all of those negative banners that have been spoken over his life, and I want you to put new ones on there. And so I just, I prayed that out, you know, I prayed that vision out. I said, you know what, this is what I see of you. It's like a veil that's covering your face, and there's like banners across your forehead. And I just want to rip those off right now. If you are, I'm ripping off the, the title of unlovable. I'm ripping off the title of insignificant and not valuable and not loved and, and unaccepted and rejected and abandoned. I'm ripping all of those things off. And in the name of Jesus, I just, I just redefine you as loved and accepted and chosen and claimed and set apart and sanctified and pure. You know, all these things that just came to me, to, to my heart in that moment. And his countenance began to lift up. And it's, you know, like he'd never heard those things before about him. And that the hope that that was actually for him, that, that somebody could be saying those things to him someday, was reaching out and grasping onto those words. And, and was, he was being drawn into the embrace of, of the loving arms of Jesus in that moment. And, I mean, you could see it in his eyes, and, and he just began to weep, you know, right there in the, in the wheelchair that he was sitting on. And, you know, I don't get to, and, you know, we don't get to follow up on people like this very often, but I know that God touched him, and a lot of times uh, ministry for me looks like that. And I just love, I love, I love talking about love. I love being able to, to speak love and life into the hearts of people uh, and uh, just, so that they can get a glimpse, a touch from God in times that they need it the most. And me and you, Praying Medic, we see people on their worst days, you know, and we have such an opportunity to, to speak life into people and to pray for the sick to be healed and to speak the words that Jesus has for them. Seeing, seeing them spiritually resurrected, if not physically resurrected, you know, to the life that Jesus has for them. And so it's just been incredible. Yeah, that, and I agree. I mean, amen to everything. Um, I, I love the power of prophecy. I've, I've delivered some prophetic words to some, you know, career alcoholics who I did get to follow up with, and they were completely transformed and changed and gave up alcohol altogether um, as a result of, you know, them giving them a prophetic word. Uh, prophecy is really powerful, much more powerful than people really understand. So I'm, I am so blessed to, to read your blog posts about how you're doing that, because I just know you're changing so many people's lives. Now, I have a question for you. Hypothetical yeah. question. You have a magic wand that can magically erase any teaching about God. What is the one teaching about God that you would get rid of? That everything is his will that happens on the earth. Man, that came quick. <laughs> that was, that, that was fast. Yeah, that was really fast. Yeah. So God is in control? Uh, the one thing I would get rid of is, is that God is in ultimate control of everything that happens on the earth, because that means that he's then responsible for the evil, terrible, disgusting things that happen. And so that's the one I would remove. I would not disagree with you. I think I have seen more people's faith shipwrecked and more people's lives ruined simply by the belief that God is ultimately in control of everything Hmm. and that everything that happens is his will, because then you've got this messed up life and screwed up friends and messed up family, and it's all God's fault. Because he, yeah. w- he wants it to be this way. And you could just rack your brain all day long trying to figure out why would he want it this way. 
Yeah, you know, and Jesus came to, you know, I, I believe that Jesus came to undo that image of God. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. The biggest, some of the biggest ones were the lies related to who God is, who the Father is. And Jesus came to fully reveal the Father. He fully revealed the Father on the cross. He, God would rather die than kill. God would rather heal than cause any uh, disease or anything like that. You know, God is not the author of pain. He's love, and it's love that's the answer for that pain. You know, and so just, yeah, I would, no question, I would get rid of that one. Okay. Well, thank you for answering that question. Um, because, yeah, I agree with you totally. Um, you know, if God is in control, man does not have free will. We're puppets on a string. Right. And we're just doing whatever he forces us to do. And, you know, the, the, the theology, the teaching that God is ultimately in control of everything really is much more dangerous than people realize, I think. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would totally agree with you. I think that a lot of conversations that I have with people who don't believe in, in the Christian God, so to speak, don't believe it because they don't, they don't want to believe in a God that is as terrible as they think he is. Yeah, when God, you, the, when, if you tell atheists about the God you actually believe in, who is not in control, who is not a bloodthirsty, ruthless murderer, who is not... <laughs> the, when you, when, if you actually sit down with an atheist and explain the God of love and compassion and mercy and healing, they'll look at you and go, yes, that God I believe in, but not the other one that those other guys are talking about. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I'd say, I don't blame you. You know, I, don't, I wouldn't want much to do with a God who kills, who kills babies and, and wipes out countries with tidal waves and and all this other negative stuff either. You know, I want, I want the God that Jesus revealed. I want the God that Jesus reflected, you know, the one who comes and heals our, our infirmities, the one who comes and lets us lean against them as we walk, the one who comes and lifts us up when we can't take another step. You know, I want the one who takes our burdens. I want, I want that God because that's, that's the God I believe is there to, that encounters us and gets off the throne and comes down and embraces his kids. You know, that's, that's what I want, and I'm convinced that if everyone knew, really knew who he was, there would, there would be no one that would run from him. Everybody would be running to him, because we're all built to, to uh, find that. We're all built to find the love that, uh, that our hearts need, and he's where it's at. We just, so many just don't know that, though. Yeah, that is true. Um, hey, Jesse, that is going to yeah. be a wrap on the show real quick. Project Afterlife is on Destination America on cable. Yes. And you can download it on Amazon, Google, and iTunes? Yes. People can find your books on uh, on your website, jesseberkey.com? Yes, that's correct. On Amazon, iBook, all the usual book outlets? Yes, that's correct. You're on uh, Twitter and Facebook. Any other social media places we should tell people about? I don't think so. Twitter and Facebook, that's pretty much my platform. There. Okay, well, I'm Praying Medic, and on behalf of Jesse, I'd like to thank you for tuning in. I'd also like to thank Braden for his assistance on the board. If you want to check out my website, where I have a lot of free articles and videos, you can find that at prayingmedic.com. You can also check out my books on amazon.com, including my newest book, American Sniper, Lessons in Spiritual Warfare. 